race fans, it's Faith Doherty, 2015-run Disney specialist on the Disney Parks Moms panel. You're listening to Stories of the Magic. Welcome to Stories of the Magic, an unofficial Disney podcast with your host, Randy Crane. Hear stories from Disney cast members, Imagineers, artists, and more right here on Stories of the Magic. And now, here's your host, Randy Crane. Welcome to episode 117 of Stories of the Magic. I'm Randy, your host. Thank you for joining me. If you're new to Stories of the Magic, we are a positive and story-filled Disney podcast offering stories from cast members, Imagineers, artists, actors, and more, including guests, promoting a mutual love of Disney, celebrating and preserving the Disney magic and legacy, and inspiring people to live their dreams just as Walt Disney did. If that appeals to you or piques your curiosity, you're definitely in the right place, and I am glad you're here. Today, we're going a little bit out of the ordinary, even for me, but for very good reason. If you're looking for a story of Disney love, of inspiration, and of hope, this is the interview for you. Kimberly Markey is one of my Disney running friends, but even if you're not a runner, you need to hear her story of challenging herself with running, experiencing Disney like she never had before, battling and beating cancer while taking on some of the toughest race challenges I know about, and so much more. Before I preview what Kimberly and I talk about here in part one for you, I have a couple of listener shoutouts. First, Liz from Anaheim had shoulder surgery, so I want to tell you, Liz, that I'm glad it went well from what I've heard, and I'm praying for a speedy recovery for you. Also, the Be Our Guest podcast did their 12-hour live show benefiting Give Kids the World at the end of July and raised almost $30,000. I was honored to help by donating some items to the auction they did during that time, so congratulations, Jill, Sean, and Michelle for winning my auction items, and thank you for supporting Give Kids the World. Now, in this episode, Kimberly talks about what's making her smile today, how and when she became a runner, going from that first race to the 50 or so a year she does now, when races become just a collection of medals rather than an achievement, how her love of Disney began, running her first Disney race, especially running up Main Street USA and through Cinderella Castle, her first goofy race-and-a-half challenge race weekend, the weekend it basically snowed at Walt Disney World. The biggest challenge of multiple day race weekends for her, her cancer diagnosis in 2013, the many runs that she did during her cancer treatment, you have to hear this to believe it, and how running made all the difference during her cancer treatments. Now, a brief word from a fellow podcaster and friend, and then it's time to turn the page and begin this story. Have you ever experienced uncontrollable bouts of geekdom? If so, the Anomaly podcast may be right for you. In clinical studies, Anomaly's interviews, convention reports, commentary on geek culture, games, sci-fi and fantasy television, literature, and film provided a feeling of fullness while promoting health for optimal geekiness. The Anomaly podcast is not suitable for all people. Only geekily active cool chicks with a healthy sense of humor should listen. Geekily active cool guys should listen, too. Anomaly has resulted in sudden fits of squee, 
Broad smiles may appear without warning and could become permanent. The most common side effects of anomaly are unconsciously joining in the Gamma Quadrant golf clap, out loud, at work, to the amusement of co-workers, and attempting to interject opinions aloud to hosts who can't hear the listener. But in all cases, the benefits outweigh the risks. Ask your anomaly if you're healthy enough for entertainment of this caliber. You don't need a doctor's messy handwriting to obtain a free subscription. Anomaly is available over-the-counter at Stitcher Radio and in the iTunes, Zune, and BlackBerry stores. You can also stream episodes of Anomaly and Anomaly Supplemental at AnomalyPodcast.com. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y Podcast.com. Just one one-hour episode provides 24 hours of relief and never leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Music by Jewelbeat. And now, this week's interview on Stories of the Magic. Here on Stories of the Magic, one of my goals is to inspire you by bringing you people who've done something I consider amazing. From living their dream by working for Disney to writing a book, recording an album, and so on, because they love Disney. Today's guest is slightly different, but I think you'll agree that she fits the description of inspiring, loving Disney, and doing something amazing. Kimberly Markey loves running, especially Disney races. Of course, so do a lot of other people. But not many, in fact no others that I can think of, have battled breast cancer and earned over a hundred medals while training for and running Disney races. I don't want to steal her thunder, so I'll let Kimberly tell her own story about all of that. Kimberly, welcome to Stories of the Magic. Oh, well, thank you for having me, Randy. I am just so blown away by that introduction. I hope I can live up to all the hype. My goodness, thank you. You're welcome. I'm sure you will. So what's making you smile today? Oh, gosh. I am, you know what? I got to sleep in to 8 o'clock today, so that is what's making me smile. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, I haven't really been on a training plan right now, a running training plan. I've been taking it easy just doing core classes and stuff. So I've been having the opportunity to sleep in a little bit, so I'm excited to sleep in to 8 today. So yay. Yay me. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good reason to smile. Yeah. Now, you're a big Run Disney fan, obviously, like I mentioned in the intro. But before we talk about Disney running, let's talk about running in general. How did you become a runner, or have you always been one? Oh, gosh, no. So I became a runner in 2008, uh, July uh, 7th, 2008. And I remember that date for a variety of reasons. I was a small business owner. I had just opened up my third retail location and I had uh, four other business partners. And to say that I was stressed would be a total understatement. I was just, you know, at the breaking point. So I had decided, you know what, I'm going to get in shape. I've always wanted to run a marathon. I am going to sign up for the Walt Disney World Marathon. So I hired a trainer, and the, I told the trainer this, and, and she, of course, said, uh-huh, sure you will. And, <laughs> and um, I, you know, uh, downloaded the Hal Hingdon's plan. Um, I had never run – well, I had I – had, that's not true. I had run, like, a 5K, a charity 5K, and I don't even think it would be called running. But um, I couldn't even run a mile, and I basically worked my way up to a 5K, a 10K, the um, Hartford Marathon Half uh, Marathon in uh, October of 2008, and then the uh, 2009 Walt Disney World Marathon. And I 
uh, hit the wall at, I believe it was either between miles 18 to 20, I can't remember. And um, I basically walked the last six miles in and I finished in, I believe, a little over six hours. So it was probably like 6.02 or 6.03. And my husband picked me up from the bus stop at Saratoga Springs because we're DVC members. And I turned to him and I said, never again. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds entirely reasonable. (laughs) Obviously, you changed your mind from never again to a whole lot more times. What changed your mind? Well, you know, I took the winter off. I was in great shape. I saw that it was the fifth anniversary of the Goofy Challenge, Race and a Half Challenge for 2010. And I said, now, mind you. When I was signing up for the 2009 marathon, I said, what the heck is this goofy challenge? And then I looked up and and read the description. And I was like, oh, my gosh, these people are running a half marathon on Saturday, and then they're running a full marathon? Are they out of their mind? (laughs) (laughs) And so I signed up in 2010 because it was the fifth year. And I said, that was fun. Let's do it again. And um, I slowly built up my running career from, you know, three races in a year to, you know, I'm at 50 races in a year is my average. Wow. 50 races a year is your average? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it could be anywhere from five or six full marathons to 14 half marathons to a combination of, of all those. Um, in the last few years, I've done fewer marathons. I just don't feel like doing the distance. It takes a lot to train for that. And um, I've um, had to take a break because I was just like, just burnt out. It wasn't fun. I've been coached by um, uh, Run Disney's Jeff Galloway, Olympian Jeff Galloway for a couple of years. And I just told him I needed a break. I was just burnt out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, even this year I'm at, I'm trending towards about 50 races. Now there's less there's only one marathon on that. Well, no, by the end of the year there'll be a bunch of marathons, but you know, it's more 5Ks than there is um longer distances. And and now I've incorporated um my daughter's on cross country and track and my son just loves to run 5Ks with me. So what I'm doing is I'm moving from the longer distances and remembering why I chose to run and finding joy in the running again. And that's really coming from running with my family. So that's what I'm, that's, that's where I am right now. That's the place I am. I am. That's great. And my dog, of course. I run with my dog. <laughs> but she doesn't talk to me. She just pants. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I love that. You didn't get to a distance and be like, well, okay, now I'm a marathon runner, and so I just have to keep doing this. But it's like, no, I'm a runner, and whatever distance I do, that's my choice. And so I'm going to do whatever is right for me at this point in my running. Well, and it took me a long time to get there, right? Because, you know, most of runners are really type A personalities, and we feel that if you're not doing the full 26.2, then you are basically a loser, right? And I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying what my mindset was like, oh, you're a half marathoner. Oh, you only do a 5K. Oh, you only do a 10K. Well, you're not a real runner. Oh, you're just going out for fun and just running, you know, 20 miles a week. Well, you're not a runner. Why are we labeling everyone? Why can't we just find joy in what we want to do? And if someone doesn't want to do the same thing as you want to do, 
it's okay, right? Everyone is different. Everyone can choose what they want to do. And you have to go out there and do what makes you happy and find satisfaction in your abilities. So that's where I am right now. It took me a while to get there, though. I sound really smart, but really, it took me a while to get there. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that usually the way it is? We get to sound really smart because we went through a whole lot before we say those things that sound really smart. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I have the Marathon Maniac number. I have the Half Marathon Maniac number. I have the dual, whatever it is, the dual double agent, I think it's called. You know, I have all those things. I, I You know, I've done over 55 half marathons. I've done 20 full marathons, you know. I, sometimes you just got to remember why you're doing this. And, and I have a lot of hardware. And some, you know, it, it comes to a collection rather than rather than an achievement and that's what i'm stepping back and figuring out why it's important yeah what so. do you mean by that it's become a collection or it becomes a collection rather than an achievement well if you're if you're all you're doing is signing up for races but you're not working towards a particular goal it it, it doesn't mean anything anymore to me it doesn't mean anything it might mean something to other people but in my personal experience it's not meaning as much as it would be if I work really hard to get it. So like tomorrow, if I run a 10K, you know, I'm running it for a different reason than if I'm running it for, you know, just to get a medal. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That if you're just running it to get a medal and you haven't put in the time and energy, then it means something different to me. Mm-hmm. I see what you mean. Thank you. I appreciate the clarity. I, I heard it and I'm like, I think I understand what you mean, but I wanted to make sure that I knew exactly what you were meaning. Well, I'm saying that I have a lot of medals and mm. I have a lot of, I have a lot of, you know, hardware on the wall and, and they're all, they're all, you know, important, but I haven't worked hard enough in the last few years to make them mean anything more. I just did that race. Great. Here's your medal. You know what I mean? It would be nice if I went back and started working again towards a particular goal. Yeah, I get it completely. Yeah. yeah. So you said it was a Disney race that motivated you to start running in the first place. Mm-hmm. So tell me about your love of Disney. Where did that begin? Oh, my gosh. That's from my mother. So um, my mother took me to Walt Disney World back when I was six years old. And I remember our first trip. I remember parts of our first trip. I remember riding on Space Mountain when it used to be um, the two carts, but you had that long strap that went around both of you. And you kind of sat in like a toboggan, you know, like the old Matterhorn seats. Mm hmm. And I remember her with all the cameras around her neck and her screaming in my ear. And I remember, you know, the crowds. I remember seeing the castle for the first time. And and so um, from that point on, we would uh, travel down. I live in Connecticut, so we're um, East Coast people. So we would travel down to uh, Walt Disney World every, you know, two to three years, my entire, you know, childhood. And um, I just remember when the first year Epcot opened and the first year um, MGM opened and the first year Animal Kingdom opened. And I got the opportunity, uh, gosh, I think it was in 2003 to go over to Disneyland for a work conference. And it also was the first 
birthday of my daughter, Catherine. She was turning one, and we celebrated her birthday there. So then I started going to Disneyland every few years, and then it turned into a yearly occurrence, and then it turned into, you know, a um, twice-a-year occurrence. And now I'm since I'm running all these run Disney races, I, I tend to go to Walt Disney World four times a year and Disneyland four times a year. And just, you know, enjoying every minute of it. I, I just love it. It's just so much fun. You don't get tired of it. You just don't. No, you're right. You don't. Speaking of someone who lives just a few miles from Disneyland, people wonder all the time, don't you get tired of it? Well, they might, but I don't. Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> So tell me about that first run Disney race then. It's what you were working towards. You had that love of Disney, and then you started running so that you could do something with, you know, so you could do more with Disney, which is what got me running too, by the way. Oh, yeah. Then you actually got to that first race. What was that like? Oh, you know, I was running for team and training. I, you know, was very nervous. I was down there um, with my family, but of course they weren't getting up at three o'clock in the morning to see me. They did see me on uh, Main Street USA. Um, but I had runner's retreat that year and I um, just was by myself, just standing in the corral. Just, I ran with an iPod, which is not normally what I do now. I was nervous. I was really, really nervous. Um, the only reason why I was doing the Walt Disney World Marathon was the fact that we got to run through all four parks. And that was the selling point. I was like, sign me up for that. And at that time, we started in Epcot, and we got to run around World Showcase before making our way up World Drive to Magic Kingdom. And so at that, I start, stopped it, um, and took pictures with, um, you know, Sleeping Beauty and Aurora and um, some other characters out on course. And the first time I got to run behind backstage of Magic Kingdom, coming and turning into Bain Street, USA, was one of the most magical times of my life. I even, I start to cry even now because the crowds are deafening. It's kind of like when you do, when you do New York City Marathon and you turn on First Avenue, it's like that. It's, you turn into the gates open and you turn on the Main Street, USA, and the Christmas tree may be there or may not be there, but all you hear are the crowds. And it's so close to you. That's what makes it so deafening because it's such a little area. And just seeing the castle lit up, uh, Cinderella Castle, and all the twinkling lights because she still has her Christmas display on. And 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 just, just running up Main Street US, USA. And then seeing my husband with my daughter up on her shoulders with a sign that says, Go, Mom, run. And just being able to see them and then take off. And then the first time you turn into Tomorrowland and then come around Fantasyland and be able to run through Cinderella Castle and down is just the most amazing thing that as a Disney fan, as a new runner, you can experience. It just is. I, I, I can't even put it into words. That's how magical it is for me. Yeah, I can hear it in your voice. Yeah, it's just so it's just so good. And even now, I mean, even though the opportunity, I, I get to do it how many times a year, I still get choked up. It's still awesome to me. Wow. That is really cool. That is very, very cool. And I don't think you understand it unless you're a Disney fan. <laughs> how cool it is to actually run through the parks and not get yelled at to slow down, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I've heard people say, you know, it must be nice to 
to do a run Disney race because then you get to run through the parks and there's hardly anybody there. Ha! Well, <laughs> I guess if you consider you know, 20,000 of your closest friends at Disneyland and 40,000 of your closest friends at Walt Disney World, hardly anybody, then yeah, you're right. Yeah. You even, you, I mean, you, you look at the first pictures and, you know, I finished that race. Well, that I finished that race in six hours, but I was on trend for it. 215 230 half marathon there's still a lot of people around me you know but we're not at the point where we were last year where we were you know stopped before going into uh the castle because there were so many people that we came to a standstill so it is what it is it's grown yeah it sure has uh, did you run the first star wars light side half marathon i did and i was like why are we calling it the light side um <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it was originally just called Star Wars Half Marathon Weekend, and um, next year is when they turned it into the light side. But yes, and that weekend was my favorite run Disney race of all time. It was so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. We, and that's before they put the new costume rules into play. Mm-hmm. So um, my pal, Perfectly Goofy Gale, and I have some epic costumes from that year. So it was a good time. Cool. Yeah, we're going to get to talking about costumes in a little while. Was it still dark when you ran through Cars Land? Because I know you're a faster runner than I am. So you probably got through there before I did. Um, I would have to look at the pictures. So that was last year or the year before? Uh, 2015. 2015. Yeah. Yeah, 2015. So, um, you know... <sighs> There's nothing like Cars Land, the sun rising over Cars Land. Um, it's just so beautiful if you come in the back way. Mm-hmm. Um, is this for the 5K? The picture I have, I think, is from, I think it's from the half, but I'm not 100% sure. So during the 5K, it's still dark. Yeah, it's such a short course. I remember the way you described running through the castle last year and everybody having to stop because there's so many people and they, they had to stop you because it bottlenecked so much. That was what happened when we rounded the corner into Cars Land for that first Star Wars half marathon. Really? The sun was just coming up, and there was a cast member. So we came out of the backstage gate right there at Pacific Wharf and uh-huh. round, just made a full U-turn pretty much into Cars Land. Oh. And there was a cast member standing there that said, be careful, there's a lot of people around the corner. My brother-in-law and I were thinking... Okay, sure. Yeah, there's probably a little bottleneck, but that's okay. So we moved over to the side so that we could hopefully get around some of those people. Rounded the corner and just came to a dead stop because everybody else was doing the same thing. And we didn't almost hit anybody. We just stopped because of seeing cars land and the way it was lit and the sun was coming up behind it. And it was just absolutely breathtaking. Yeah, I'm looking at my pictures now. Um, When we hit Paradise Pier, we have some iconic photos of the sun rising over the coaster and um, Mickey wheel. But uh, yeah, the sun is rising. It looks like everyone's moving. So it wasn't like a, a big stop. It did take us. I'm looking at the time clock. Did take us an hour 40 to get to mile five. (laughs) yeah it's a lot that is a lot (laughs) get our money for it that's all i have to say (laughs) that's right you run fast and the cost per mile is just so high yeah it sure is it's one of my favorite signs i remember from i think my first 
run Disney half marathon there with somebody up around, I don't even remember what mile marker it was. $27 a mile or something? Yeah, it was something like, it was close to that. It was like $73 to go or something like that. Oh, yeah, 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 the halfway point or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, that's really clever. That, that was a good yeah, one. Yeah, I have a picture of that. I remember that. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when you went back and you did that goofy challenge, which you first looked at and asked the entirely obvious question, are these people crazy? And you've since learned the answer is yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was it like for you doing that first goofy challenge where you had to do two races in two days? Well, that was a 2010 Goofy Challenge, and if you remember your Run Disney history, that was the race where it snowed. Oh, yes. It snowed that weekend. So I was standing in the corrals. I went down with one of my best friends, Terri Ann Therian. Um, for, uh, her parents are uh, inaugural uh, Disney Vacation Club members at Old Key West, and she is actually in Disney World right now. She left camp, and they drove all the way down to um, Walt Disney World. She's staying in the Polynesian. I'm very excited for her because last year we were doing the same thing, so I'm a little jealous. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so that was the year it was uh, either the same uh, temperature or a little bit colder in Florida than it was in Connecticut. Gee, wow. Yeah. That is, so, people, that's cold. And I remember, because I have a photo of the snow coming down at the race start. And at that time, we stayed at Old Key West, and I was able to avoid the buses, and you were able to just walk over to the corrals because the start line is just right across the street. Now you have to take a bus and go all the way around to Epcot and then walk a mile to the start line. But anyway, um, there was uh, I made new friends because we were huddling to stay warm. And on the half marathon course, there were sheets of ice at the water stops because and the I, the water was frozen on top whoa and it was freezing rain the entire half marathon and i believe i finished it i believe i finished it between i want to say 217 is was, was my finish but it was either like 217 or 222 somewhere around there i finished maybe it was 222 i finished that half marathon and we had uh breakfast reservations in norway with the princesses and Terry Ann had to help me um, get out of my soaking wet clothes, and I did not warm up the entire day. That's how chilled to the bone I was. And then the following day, it was at least not raining, but it was sunny, and we started the half, the full marathon. And Terry Ann met me out on course. She missed me in uh, Magic Kingdom, but she met me in. Uh, Animal Kingdom, and then she met me on the boardwalk side, and I told her, I can't do it, I can't do it, and then all of a sudden, I just took off, because I only had, like, two miles to go. I was, like, crying, I was upset, I was just, you know, miserable, and that full marathon, I took off 20 minutes from my time the first marathon, so I believe it was, like, like maybe, like, 538 or 540 was my second full marathon time. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah. So that was hard. That was very hard. That was very hard. I, I, I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've heard it said, and this has been my experience too, but I'm sure not everybody has the same experience, that when it comes to these multiple day races, the hardest part is not the running. The hardest part is getting up that early that many mornings in a row. Did, is that the hardest part for you, or what's the biggest challenge for you with multiple day races? Okay, well, yes. 
However, when you go into, so the following year from that 2010 um, Walt Disney World Goofy Challenge Marathon weekend, I added the 2011, I added the 5K onto that, and that got harder. And I did that for a few years. I kept on doing the 5K. And once you add the 5K, there's a level of difficulty as well into that. And then they came out with the Goofy Challenge, I mean, the Dopey Challenge, where you're getting up four days in a row. And um, it's exhausting. And then if you go from Walt Disney World to Disneyland the following week, it's even worse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and you did that in 2014, didn't you? I did it in 14, 15, 16, and I'll do it in 17. (laughs) It's hard. It's really hard. And and the problem when you do dopey is that if you have family members with you, you have to involve them in the race of some in some way because they will not understand if they're allowed to sleep in the pain that you are going through, especially, you know, what you have to do. The 5K and the 10K, no big deal. The half marathon, again, not as big of a deal. But when you go from the half marathon to the full marathon, that's when it's not we're not playing games anymore and where you really need to stay off your feet and you really need to hydrate and you really just need to be sitting and quiet. <laughs> yeah. So that's where it's hard. And God bless our family members who put up with this, because when you have to go to bed at, you know, not, well, we normally go to bed at 10 and we get up at 3 or 2.30, you know, so we're not the regular runners who go to bed at 6 a.m. to get up. I get, wish we were, but we're not. We're used to it now, but it is very difficult. I remember 2014 when we were on the West Coast, we we didn't even know where, well, I didn't know where I was on the night, uh, the morning of the Tinkerbell 10K. Because this was our seventh race in, I don't know, a week and or 11 days or I don't even know how many days. And I asked Gail, I was like, where are we? What race are we running? Where where are we going? Because <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think one I think maybe the year after that, we were running the half marathon of the Dopey Challenge. And I said, oh, why aren't we turning down? We're not running the marathon today. And she's like, no, today's just the half marathon. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. I'm so happy because, <laughs> you know, they just all blur together on those race, race weekends. And, and they're really you need to you need to prepare for that. It's it's a lot. I mean, a week before you go into the dopey challenge, you need to start getting up at 5 a.m. You just have to you have to reset your clock. Yeah, especially if you're going from one coast to the other, though, I expect. OK, it's a the biggest challenge because of doing them so close together. But I think if you just came out here coming from the East Coast, you kind of have it a little bit easier because it's, you know, three hours later for you than what the actual clock says. So It's a joy. It's a, it's a joy when I come out to the West Coast. Yes, it is a joy. I was expecting, hoping for that some year to be able to do that for Wine and Dine when it was still a night race because you know, get out there and at 10 o'clock, you know, 10 p.m. start, for the west or for the east coast still would have felt like about seven o'clock in the evening to me that would have been nice and then of course it's not not a night race anymore so i know that's a bummer yeah well we've talked a lot about running and about disney but there's a third piece that kind of goes into this whole picture uh so at the risk of burying the lead a little bit too far if you don't mind can you tell me about your cancer diagnosis 
Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so I have the um, BRCA gene too, which is a breast cancer gene, one of um, the two genes, BRCA1 and BRCA gene, that means that I have a high risk for uh, having ovarian and breast cancer. And I was diagnosed in my 30s or my third around 30 uh, before I had children. My mother died of ovarian cancer. I have um, breast cancer on both maternal and paternal grandparents. Um, so there's a history. And um, my mother was diagnosed with ovarian cancer at 42 years old. And I had been getting screened um, mammograms, MRIs, et cetera, uh, for the last, you know, 10 years. And like the spring of 2013, I felt a lump in my breast. And uh, I went and got it checked. I thought it was just a cyst. And it turns out that it was uh, beginning of cancer. And I was diagnosed with breast cancer on July 8th, 2013. So it's a run anniversary for me. Um, and because of my history of breast cancer, I decided that I was going to have a bilateral um, mastectomy, which means that I have both breasts removed and I would then have reconstruction. Um, but because I had cancer, I also had to go through uh, chemotherapy. So um, I scheduled my breast cancer surgery, my double mastectomy, July 30th, because it was the inaugural year of the Dumbo Double Dare Challenge. And I was not only running um, the 5K, the 10K, and the half marathon, but my family was coming out to run the 5K with me. And um, 30 days to the date of my bilateral mastectomy, I got up and we dressed as the Incredibles and I ran the 5K with my family and I turned around and the 10K had already begun. So I jumped in line and ran the 10K and then the following day I ran the half marathon. And um, it took me a little over three hours to run that half marathon because I was a little bit tired. My um, surgical team, my doctors thought I was crazy, but they knew I wanted to do this. So, um, and I already had a history of running, so they allowed me to do it. But it was it was a lot. It took a lot of strength to get me over that uh, finish line. And I went into uh, chemotherapy, six chemotherapy treatments. Um, and well, 18 treatments for breast cancer, six of them are chemotherapy and, and the rest are all Herceptins, 18 Herceptins. So 18 treatments for breast cancer. And during the, during the period where I had the chemotherapy, which is, you know, carboplatin, taxid, taxid, I believe it's taxidere, um, seven bags of IV, um, treatments. I, uh, ran, um, Chicago full marathon. I ran the New York City Marathon, so meaning that I had chemotherapy on Thursday before Chicago full marathon. So chemotherapy on Thursday, ran Chicago on that Sunday. I had chemotherapy on Friday of the New York City weekend, ran New York City Marathon on um, Sunday. And that marathon, I mean, Chicago was hard. I, I did that in about six hours. I had to walk 12 miles in. New York City Marathon, I came in at, I believe it was 528, and I beat Pamela Anderson by 13 minutes. <laughs> I was really excited about that. Um, and then I had my final chemotherapy treatment on January 2nd. Um, that was my sixth and final chemotherapy treatment. And the following week, I completed the inaugural Dopey Challenge. 
So it was a big deal. Um, yeah. At the risk of uh, asking an overly simplistic question, how did you do that? You know, honestly, I think about it because the following year I ran New York City and I wasn't on chemotherapy. And it was a hard race. It was the one where the winds were 40 miles per hour. But, you know, you didn't really know that at the time. And it took me, I think it, it took me over six hours to finish that one because I was so exhausted from running into the wind. And the whole time I was beating myself up saying, you, you ran this when you were on chemo. Why the heck can't you go faster? What's wrong with you? You know, so now when I'm having a bad day and everything, I just think back of how how I did all that, all those races when I was on chemotherapy, because I even asked my doctor, I said, are you giving me the same chemotherapy that you're giving everyone else? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, yes. And then, you know, you don't see the bad days the week after, well, the week after I did New York city marathon, I went to uh, wine and dine uh, weekend and I couldn't even get through the wine and dine races. I, was at mile six of the wine and dine half marathon and Joe Terracani and uh, Merrill were trying to pull me through the rest of the half marathon. I was really, really sick through that. And the weeks between um, half marathon and dopey, I basically was in the bed resting um, those six weeks. So I didn't train for, for dopey after that because I was just trying to stay alive. Mm -hmm. Well, not stay alive, but um, not be sick. Right. Because chemotherapy is exhausting. It's you're nauseous. Everything tastes like metal. You're either, um, exhaust, either high on steroids or exhausted from it, you know, killing everything in your body. So it, it's really hard. It's very hard. I, I, I just, I can't even imagine having to go through something like that. And then, running these major races and distances on top of it. You know, but I had my race plan all set out, right? This is the <laughs> year that I had actually, you know, I had gotten into Chicago. I ran Chicago. The reason why I didn't give up for Chicago was because I was running. I had signed up in February of that year to run for Team Bright Pink. And Team Bright Pink was founded by the youngest person ever to have a prophylactic bilateral mastectomy because of her family's history of breast and ovarian cancer. So I had raised, uh, I believe, $1,700 in three hours for that charity. And there was no way that I was not going to go out there and finish that full marathon. No way in heck was I not going to be able to do that. And for New York, I had been rejected from New York for three years in a row. So it was my fourth, it was my fourth year, my automatic bid into New York City. So there was no way I was going to miss that race. And there was no way you were ripping Dumbo out of my hand. <laughs> no way. So, you know, I did Tower of Terror. I did Wine and Dine. I did Dopey. I wasn't going to miss these things. And I think that's what got me through the chemotherapy. That's what got me through, you know, to the start line was the fact that I had an opportunity to do that. And that's what made me, that's what got me out of bed in the morning. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Originally, I was going to ask what made you continue to run through the cancer treatment, but then as you're talking, it sounds like that the running actually helped you. It sure did. It sure did. It sure did. It helped combat the symptoms of the chemotherapy. 
And it also helped my mental outlook, right? Because running obviously gives you endorphins. Running helps clear your mind. Running helps me just, you know, be, right? And when you have such a horrible diagnosis that you have cancer and you've already seen your mother suffer through cancer and die of cancer at age 54, you've already seen your grandmother die of having breast cancer, and you've seen what chemotherapy can do to the body. You can see how they suffered and you can either choose to suffer or you can choose to not suffer. And my way of not suffering and my way of coping with the diagnosis was to do what made me happy and get out there and run. And thank God I did. Sounds like that made all the difference. It did. It did. I'm not saying that, you know, when I had my chemo treatments, seven bags of IV, um, and then you have all the uh, medication that goes along with that, which is basically anti-nausea pills every four hours. Aleve, because you have the shot of norestrol, whatever the white blood cells are, that hurts your entire body, hurts. I've never been in so much pain. Then you have, you know, you have to have sleeping pills because you're wired. The first time I had chemo, I was up for 48 hours straight. And then you also have to have stool softener. And then you have you have the other case of like diarrhea because all the medication goes through you. Um, you're not eating properly because nothing tastes good and you can't keep it down even if you could eat. So there's a lot that goes into it. Sharing all the gory details. <laughs> <laughs> that is fine. So where are you in process of everything now? I know I think officially – the cancer-free term is used after five years of being? Yeah, yeah. So I asked my doctor all about that. I'm like, am I a survivor? What am I? Like, I, I hate that word, by the way. But... That brings us to the end of this week's show. A very special thank you to Kimberly Markey for being my guest and to you for listening. Come back next time for part two, where we talk about, among other things, costumes. Remember to contact me to get a quote or even just for more information about the podcast cruise on the Disney Wonder in September of 2017. I want you to join us. If you missed the details when I first announced it, you can check the show notes for episode 114, which I'll link to in this episode's notes so you can get right to it. Or you can just email me at cruise at storiesofthemagic.com and I'll fill you in personally on what's going on, what we're doing, and how you can be a part of it. Now, if you're currently doing something because of your love for Disney, you've written a book, created a website, you're blogging, writing or performing music, art, whatever it may be, and you want to tell people about it and why it matters to you, why Disney matters to you, then I want to hear from you. I also want to talk to and hear from people who've worked for Disney. And if you're a Disney guest of any Disney experience, and you've had an encounter or an interaction with a cast member that made some extra Disney magic, or had any special Disney experience you want to share, Maybe you want to give a compliment or a thank you for something Disney's done. For any of those, I'd love to hear from you, too. Just email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY and tell me about your experience. Subscribe to Stories of the Magic in iTunes, the Xbox Music Store, on the website, Stitcher Smart Radio, or through Google Play Music. Yep, we are in a lot of places. Whatever works for you, that's where I want to be for you. If you like the show, please rate and review it in iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever else you listen to the show and can rate it. It really does help. If you want more people to hear stories like the one Kimberly shared and hear more of her story, you can help by rating and reviewing the podcast. 
that gets it up there in the search rankings and in the lists. More people see it and more people get to hear stories like hers. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, visit storiesofthemagic.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this or any episode. Maybe you have a message you'd like to leave for Kimberly. While you're there, check out the show notes for useful links from each episode, too. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash storiesofthemagic, and thank you to those of you who have done so this week. Follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash storiesofmagic and tweet out that you're listening or pin it on Pinterest. I just recently started creating more pinnable images for the posts so that you can do that more easily. Basically, tell your friends about the show. Keep letting others know that you're listening so they can join in the magic too. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Stories of the Magic. There will be other days and other stories. And this tale continues next time. You've been listening to Stories of the Magic with Randy Crane. If you have feedback, want to share a story of your own, or even be a guest on the show, write to Randy at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call our listener feedback line, 734-23-STORY. And don't forget to visit the website, storiesofthemagic.com for show notes from this and every episode and to leave your comments. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live your dreams and make the magic in your world.